Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Today we are launching a brand new teaching series called Summer School. Um, you know, school, we're coming to the end of the academic year. Parents are like, oh. kids and teenagers are like, yes. But we're, we're entering this season where we're in between academic years. And for us at church, we, we often operate more on the academic year than the calendar year. Um, but we run an equip program, and today is our equip students' last day. Let's, uh, let's see them in their, in their beautiful little smiling faces. I'll tell you, they've not smiled like that all year because they've had to work with me. Okay. But these guys have done an amazing job this year, and we're so proud of them. We spent the, the last week or so reflecting, looking back. At the beginning of the year, they set some targets of where they want to grow, how they, relationship, they want to grow their relationship with God, how they want to grow their skills and leadership. And they all have grown in, in, in incredibly different ways, but they have all grown. They've read some books, which has been a stretch for some of them, some of them have stepped up and led in areas that they would never have imagined before. And we're so proud of them. And if you've been on a team with them, if you've interacted with them, I want to encourage you to reach out to them on social media or send them a message or pat them on the back, give them a high five today if you see them and thank them for all that they've sown into the church this year. Equip is a phenomenal uh, thing that I get to be a part of and love hanging out with these leaders and you know they, they do such a great job. If you're thinking about doing a gap year or you know someone who is, we would love to talk to you about Equip. But that's not the main thing. The main thing is I want to say thank you to these guys because they've just done an incredible job this year. So could we just put our hands together for these guys? And you know, we're, we're talking about summer school today. That's the launch of our new series. And we're talking about lessons to make sense of life. And we're going to be taking a deep dive into the book of Proverbs through this series. And I'm going to open the, that up today to have a look at something that I will think will help all of us, whether you call yourself a Christian or not. And I've titled today, How to Avoid Making a Mess of Your Life. And that's because... I think I can rewind and apply some things to my life to avoid having made a mess. Um, and, you know, I want to say this, and we're going to come back to this phrase again and again through today. And it says this uh, coming up on the screen. It says, nobody plans to make a mess of their life. We just don't plan not to. Nobody wakes up and goes, I'm going to become a drug addict today. No one wakes up and goes, I'm going to ruin my marriage. We just often don't plan not to. And I've ended up in some messes in my life, as you can imagine. As a young lad in my 20s, I, was, I got a credit card. And I went on holiday with my mates to Turkey. <laughs> Didn't go well together. Because what happened is, you know, we went on a two-week holiday, three days in, we'd all run out of money. And I went, don't worry, boys, I've got my credit card. And I paid for the trips to the water park, I paid for meals, I paid for days out. Ran up a huge bill that took me about three years to pay off. I was in a financial mess. I remember years ago, probably about 15 years ago now, being lost in my first year of driving. Being lost, driving through Burwood, trying to make my way home. So I pulled out my phone to look at Google Maps. 
ended up crashing into a parked car because I wasn't paying attention. Ended up me in a mess, my car in a mess, the parked car in a mess into a tree. I remember um, in one of my first years of employment, not at this church, um, disagreeing with a decision that my boss had made. And so as a young lad in his 20s who thought he knew better than everybody else in the world, texting my boss saying, I'm so disappointed in your leadership. <laughs> made a mess of that one, didn't I? We, we went on a family holiday to Wales last October. And I thought, we're going on holiday. Let's treat the kids. So before we left, I gave them loads of chocolate and dairy and cheese. I mean, I didn't make a mess of myself, but I made a mess of the car because one of the kids was sick about 40 minutes into the journey. You see, I've made loads of messes in my life and I'm confident that I can wind pretty much all of those messes back. And if I just applied one word to those situations, I don't think I'd have ended up in such a mess. And that word is wisdom. The book of Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. It's full of insights and lessons and bite-sized chunks of wisdom. It's like, it's like tweets that you can apply to your life. And through this series, we're going to be unpacking quite a few of them. We're going to be looking at different things like anger and pride and all sorts of different things. And so today I'm going to lay the groundwork and lay the foundations by looking at wisdom as a whole. And as it's summer school, this is not a sermon or a talk or a Sunday service. This is a lesson, everybody. And because it is a lesson, every single week we are going to have a learning objective, everybody. <laughs> Because it's just like being at school. So are there any teachers here today? You can tell who the teachers are because they put their hands up. Good. Well done. Now, fingers on lips. It's your own time you're wasting. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist all those jokes. I couldn't. I was like, don't waste the time, Andy. Don't make the jokes that you don't need to make. But I couldn't resist. So... Today's learning objective, it's on a blackboard and everything. Do you know, some of the equipped students didn't know what a blackboard was. I was horrified. Today's learning objective is that by the end of today's lesson, you should be able to understand wisdom and be able to apply it to your life. That's the end goal of where we're going to today. And regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, I think what I've got to say today could give lessons to help you make sense of life. Now, the book of Proverbs, it was written by a guy called Solomon. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, you might think, who the heck is Solomon? Well, Solomon was the son of King David. David is the guy who defeated Goliath. And he goes on to have a, a, an interesting kingship, but a generally successful kingship. And he's coming to the point where he's going to die. And he anoints Solomon as the successor to the throne. It's a little bit stressful the way he's anointed and the way he becomes king, but Solomon is anointed king of Israel and he finds himself, Solomon, as this king of this gigantic nation and he's a little bit overwhelmed and he has a dream and we're going to pick up that dream. The, the story of Solomon is in a book called One Kings because it's about the kings of Israel and so we're going to read quite a bit of Bible uh, in this bit little chunk so you're gonna to have to follow with me but in 1 Kings chapter 3 it says this that night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said what do you want 
Ask and I will give it to you. He probably said it less aggressively than the way I said, what do you want? <laughs> God doesn't answer us like that, I'm sure. Solomon replied, you show great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like, I feel like there's so much in my job in the world. I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Anyone else feel like that sometimes? Good, I'm not on my own. And here I am in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? I think it's a really good stance for Solomon to have. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. See, God gives Solomon this incredible wisdom and if you were to read on, you'd see that, that Solomon then goes on to make really, like, really quickly make really wise decisions and settles a dispute in the kingdom really, really wisely. And he could have asked for anything. He could have asked for strength, for riches, for wealth, for fame, for influence, for the death of his enemies, as it says there. But he chose wisdom. He chose at the start of his reign as king. That was the thing he wanted to pursue from God. And he goes on to become one of the wisest people that ever lived. And this is the moment, the catalyst for what we're going to be looking at throughout our lessons in the summer school uh, this summer. And he writes them all down in the book of Proverbs, loads of little wise sayings. And so in Proverbs 9, this is going to be our launch pad for talking about wisdom. Solomon writes this, he says, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. And so this begs the question, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? What is it that we're trying and we're looking for? Well, the Oxford definition of wisdom, uh, the Oxford Dictionary definition of wisdom says this, it says wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge and good judgment and in the interests of the boat race I looked at the Cambridge Dictionary definition as well and it says wisdom is the ability to make good judgments based on what you have learned from your experience or the knowledge and understanding that gives you this ability. Both of them say you can grow and cultivate wisdom, you can learn wisdom through your experience, but also you can gain it through knowledge and understanding and the ability to make good decisions. And so you can grow it and you can get it as a download like Solomon got. And I'm going to talk about the download version uh, towards the end of our lesson today uh, before the bell rings. Um, and so I want to... Um, I want to look at three questions that can help us to grow wisdom 
in our lives. And so the first question I think you can ask when thinking about growing wisdom is this. Given the experiences of my past, what's the wise thing to do? It's a great question to ask. You know, with the credit card situation that I found myself in my early 20s, you know, I had to work hard to get out of debt. And so I had to look back and try to look back and go, given that experience, what's the wise thing to do? Now, I would have got rid of the credit card and cut it up there and then. The only way for me to get expenses at work and claim on that and be able to eat regularly would be to have a credit card. And so I put in a rule that that credit card was only ever to be used for work expenses. And until I got a work credit card, that was what it was. You know, Laura and I, um, we've put in some boundaries in our lives that we, the only loan that we have is our mortgage. We won't buy anything on finance. We don't get any loans. I'm not saying they're sinful or they're wrong. You've got to make that decision for your life. I'm just saying, based on the experience of my past, that's the wise thing to do. Now, I am far better with money than I ever was in my early 20s. I have grown significantly in this area. I manage four or five budgets for the church. I want you to be confident. <laughs> I am much better with money. I'm not going on holiday with my mates with the church budget. Don't you worry about that. But, you know, I said, what was the experience of my past? What's the wise thing to do? There are so many situations where I've been able to look and go, ooh, that didn't go so well. That's in my past. Given that happens, what's the wise thing I need to do moving forward? Oprah Winfrey puts it like this. She says, turn your wounds into wisdom. Take the experiences of your past, the things that you've gone through, the mistakes, the messes you've been in, and turn them into wisdom. Maybe you're a person who struggles with body image, and you look at yourself in photographs and think, oh, you look at yourself in the mirror and think, oh, you, you have this incredibly low self-esteem when it comes to your body. Given that experience, what's the wise thing to do when it comes to your social media? Should you consider who you follow? What social media platforms you should be on? What, what should you think and what should you do in the world of what you watch on TV? Should you watch things like Love Island? I'm not saying that the Am I saying that Love Island is wrong? Yes. Maybe, maybe. I'll let you decide that one. But it's probably not good for you if you have a low self-esteem and body image. You know, given the hurt that has been caused by people in the past, maybe you've rushed into relationships in the past and found yourself in a relational mess. Given your past experience, what's the wise thing to do when you begin to become infatuated with somebody new? Is it to take it slow? Is it to pay attention to those red flags that you just ignored last time? Is it to slow things down? Maybe you, there's somebody who, you know, you, you, you've been friends with them, but every time like, there's a cycle of they, they end up hurting you and disappointing you or upsetting you. And, you know, maybe given the hurt of the past, what's the wise thing to do. Maybe it's time to distance yourself from that friend. Maybe it's time to move on. All of these things, this question, given your past experience, what's the wise thing to do, will, will apply to each and every one of us in different ways. 
I had a, a friend who used to struggle with an addiction to pornography, and um, it was a, a number of years now, but we were traveling late at night together, and we pulled into a petrol station to fill up the car, and it was back in the days when the naughty magazines were on the top shelf, which none of you would be aware of, because you're all pure and sanctified human beings, but naughty magazines used to be stored on the top shelf of a petrol station. And uh, we filled up the car, and we went into the petrol station, and I walked in first, turned around to see my mate walking into the petrol station like this. And I was like, lad, what are you doing? It's 11 o'clock at night, and you're walking into a petrol station like that. And he said, Andy, I am tired. I do not have the willpower and the self-control to look up right now. I'm just going to look down. And I was like... That's the wise thing to do. Given his experience of the past, what's the wise thing to do? It's to walk into a petrol station, look like an absolute idiot, but he did it. You see, that verse that Solomon writes in Proverbs, if you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you turn your wounds into wisdom, you will be the one to benefit. The second question that you can ask is this, given my present situation, what's the wise thing to do? I'm not that good at this one. I, um, you know, every month uh, we have Life Central Midweek, it's on the first Tuesday of every month, and it's a, it's a long and busy day for the, the staff team. Um, we normally finish somewhere around quarter past, half past nine. It's often I don't get away till gone 10 o'clock, um, and I come in, and I know full well that Wednesdays, are a busy day in the life of a staff member here because we have lots going on in the evening with kids and youth. Most of the staff are in and on site. It's normally a really, really busy day um, and quite frantic day on a Wednesday. I know that given my present situation on a Tuesday night, I am normally quite tired. I know that there's a busy day coming tomorrow. What I should do, the wise thing, should be come in, go straight to bed, and get a good night's sleep. Most of the time when I come in from Life Central midweek, I go in and go, oh, fancy a cheese toaster, you know. <laughs> and a glass of milk. Some, somehow a pint of milk hits different at late at night, doesn't it? And then I'll sit down, my wife's like killing it. She gets so angry when I drink milk without having cereal. I don't know, <laughs> don't know what it is. And I'll sit down and I'll think, I'll just watch five minutes or something. And then 45 minutes later, I'm you know, deep into an episode of Suits or Below Deck and I'm watching just junk and suddenly it's midnight and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be so tired. And then all day Wednesday, I'm like, I should have gone to bed earlier. I should have. I'm not good at thinking about my present situation. You know, a year ago, um, I was finding things a little bit tough. We'd obviously had a big life change and we'd become parents and so that, that, was, that was a big deal, and then coming back to work. And, and at the time, I was also doing uh, what's called MIT, which is ministering training, uh, which was training to become an ordained minister with, with Elam. And so um, in June or July last year, I went on this three-day conference with MIT. And during the conference, I just wasn't engaged. The talks weren't hitting. Like, I was really struggling. I was just finding it really difficult to engage. And the overriding thought that I was having was, I can't do this. I can't be a parent to these two kids, work for church, and be 
this ordained minister. And like, I was feeling overwhelmed with this sense of expectation that I was putting on myself. No one was putting on, it, on me other than me. And I was really struggling with it. And there was times where I went, do you know what? I'm just going to have to quit. I'm just going to have to quit and leave and become full-time carer slash parent. That, that was in my mind this time last year. And I went for a run. I'm um, trying to run away from my problems and decisions. And in that, I felt God speak to me. And I felt God say, pause MIT. Just as God said it, I was like, oh, that's it. That makes so much sense. There's this thing over here that I can pause the process of. And it was like oxygen came into my lungs. And I just could breathe. And it suddenly it made sense that if I can pause that, I can begin to understand what it means to be a dad and work for church and begin to almost make those two massive rocks fit in the jar of my life together. And what came to mind was the phrase, don't make long-term decisions based on short-term feelings. And I was, I was thinking, I might have to make a long-term decision here and, and quit and leave based on short-term feelings of being overwhelmed. I was like three months into being a dad. Like, of course I was going to feel overwhelmed and like I can't do it. And the wisdom, when, I, when I talked to Leon and, and Stuart, who oversees that process for Elam, you know, they, they were like, that sounds really wise. And it has been really wise. Given my present situation, that was the wise thing to do. And you know, I've been able to come back a year later and go, do you know what? That's still, this process still isn't right. And so I've stepped out of that so that I can focus on these two big things over here. And that feels like the wise thing to do. And so for you, in your present situation, whatever you've got going on right now, whatever you were saying when we came out of worship earlier and saying, here I am, God, I'm in the middle of this. What's the wise thing to do? Maybe you're in the middle of financial difficulty. The wise thing is, don't buy that thing that's in your basket on Amazon. Maybe delete the ASOS app off your phone Delete the Amazon app. Get a budget. You know, maybe you are in the midst of mental health challenges. Maybe the wise thing to do, given your present circumstances, is make, all you can do is take the next right step. Try and get a good rhythm and routine in your life. Try and make sure that you're eating the right foods, that you're talking to someone if you're in the midst of mental health challenges and you're not talking to somebody, please today talk to somebody. Given your present situation, that is the wise thing to do. Maybe given your present situation, it's time to stop drinking. Maybe it's time to listen. Maybe it's time to take back and reflect and look at it. I don't know what it is, but you know what the wise thing to do is. The final question is this, given the decisions I've made about my future, what's the wise thing to do? Because as we said earlier, nobody plans to end up in a mess. We just don't plan not to. And this is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to talking about wisdom. Because so many of us don't think about the future. We think about the past maybe and the present, but we don't think about the future. And Andy Stanley, he says this, he says, direction, not intention, determines our destination. 
So in 2021 at Christmas time, when I looked in the mirror and said, it's time to lose some weight, that was my intention. My intention was, it's time that my belly didn't overhang my belt anymore. That was it. I didn't say I wanted to lose X amount of stone or whatever. I just, that was my target. But if that was my intention and my direction was to carry on eating my feelings late at night and not exercising and having ridiculous lunches and all that kind of stuff, if that was my direction, then I would never have reached the destination where I wanted to be. But I set out with a direction of I'm going to reduce my calories, I'm going to walk, I'm going to run, I'm going to exercise more. That was my direction. And this is how you can plan to not end up in a mess. When I was youth pastor, we used to talk quite often with the young people about crash barriers. Um, crash barriers are, if you ever drive up a mountainous road, you will see crash barriers. And crash barriers are normally there on the edge of the road where the other side of the crash barrier, there's a cliff. And they are there to protect you. It is better to bump up and, and to crash into a crash barrier than it is to go off the edge of the cliff. And so we would say to young people, listen, the Christian life isn't about what can I get away with, but it's about how far away can I stay from that mess. And so we encourage young people to set crash barriers in their life. And actually, the, a lot of the content was taken from an Andy Stanley series that's called Guardrails. And each week in the summer school series, we want to set you some homework to do. And I want to encourage you to Think about watching the Guardrails series by Andy Stanley. All you need to do is search on YouTube, Guardrails, Andy Stanley, and you'll be able to get that up. It's available on Right Now Media as well, so Connect Group leaders who've got access to that, you can have a look at that as well. That's a great series. But it would come down to this. We would talk to teenagers about things like not having sex before you're married. And teenagers would say, I'm making that decision that I don't want to have sex until I am married. And we would say, okay, given the decision that you've made about your future, what's the wise thing? What's the crash barrier that you could put in place? Don't be naked together. That's a good place to start, isn't it? And I would know people that would say, well, I really struggle with this, so we're not even going to hold hands until we're married. It's quite an extreme case, but... You know, Laura and I would be like, because we had a long distance relationship, we would say, we're not going to stay over in a house where nobody else is there. I will sleep downstairs, Laura will sleep upstairs. We will always, people will put uh, boundaries in place like, we're not going to lie down together. We're not going to be under the covers. All of these things, it does not say in the Bible, thou shalt not lie down with somebody who is not your husband or wife. It doesn't say that. But I would suggest a wise thing to do if you've made a decision about the future of your life, that that would be a wise thing to do. If you're saying, I'm never going to end up in debt, then what's the wise decision to make today? If you're saying, I want my kids to follow Jesus for the rest of their life, then what's the wise thing to do? I would suggest it's commit to being here on Sundays. Commit to getting your kids in our small groups, in youth on Wednesdays and in kids on Wednesdays. That, for me, would be a wise thing to do. Wisdom is such an incredible lesson to help us make sense of life. As a youth pastor, I used to say to other youth leaders, I think that understanding and applying wisdom to your life is about 50% of the battle of helping young people follow Jesus for the rest of their life. 
I don't think it's about young people. I think it's about all of us. Applying wisdom to our life, I think, is about 50% of the battle of making sense of life. And you know, at the age of 16, I didn't know about the story of Solomon. Um, but I wish I did. But um, I was invited onto the PCC as a youth representative in our church. The PCC is like the Church of England's uh, leadership team. And I was invited as a young youth representative to be on that team. And I took it really seriously. It was in the early stages of me taking God seriously. And I remember praying. It could have been an event or in my room. I can't remember where I was, but I remember praying quite a lot. God, would you give me wisdom? God, would you, the words I used was, God, would you make me wise beyond my years? And I really believe that one of the spiritual gifts that God has given me is wisdom. Now, I'm not saying, oh, aren't I really wise? I'm still an idiot. I still make stupid decisions. And Solomon, Solomon made stupid decisions. You just have to read on in the story. He was really wise, but he was really thick at times as well. And he makes an absolute mess of his kingship. But, you know, I think the story of Solomon points the way to who Jesus is a little bit. Because we stopped when, G, when God said, I'll give you wisdom. God also goes on to say more in, in 1 Kings chapter 3. And God says this, And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. I'm not saying if you ask God for wisdom, he'll make you rich and famous. So if you've written that down in your notes, just cross it out. That is not what I'm saying. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me, and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. See, Solomon comes to God and says, will you give, you, will you give me wisdom? And God goes, yeah, I'll give you wisdom and I'll give you fame and wealth and a whole bunch of other things as well. You know, as, as people, as broken people, we come to Jesus and we go, Jesus, would you give me forgiveness? Would you give me love? Would you give me a place in this world? And Jesus goes, yeah, absolutely, I'll give you that. But also, I've got these things called spiritual gifts that I want to gift to you. Not because you've earned them, not because you deserve them, but because of my grace. And I want to give you these things to help you live a life that's following me. And so, yes, you can grow wisdom whether you're a Christian or not, you can apply those three questions to your life and grow wisdom. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to suggest that you can supercharge wisdom by just saying, Jesus, would you give me the gift of wisdom? And that's what we're going to do right now. I want to invite you. I'm not going to do a long lead into this. If you would like God to give you the spiritual gift of wisdom today. I want to invite you to stand to your feet in our sights. I want to invite you to do that now as well in Hell's Owen. I want to invite you to do that if you're watching online in the chat, indicate some way of saying, God, I, I want this spiritual download of wisdom. Maybe you want to hold out your hands in front of you. Jesus, I thank you for your grace. 
I thank you that we come to you and ask for forgiveness and you give us a whole bunch more. And God, we thank you for the gift of wisdom. Jesus, I pray right now that there would be a spiritual download of wisdom into people's hearts and minds. God, I pray that you would make people wise beyond their years. God, I pray particularly for our young people and young adults. God, would you give them incredible wisdom, the ability to understand and make good decisions. Jesus, I pray for work situations, family situations, financial stuff. God, we pray for a download of your wisdom. You know, wisdom often includes choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. And so we're going to finish our time by singing a song called Make Room. And I've talked a lot, a lot. We've run over a little bit. But you know, I want to create some space, make room for God to speak to you, for you to do some business with God. And this song says, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Maybe you want to keep asking God for the gift of wisdom or maybe you want to bring some situations and circumstances and say, God, I I want to make room for you to speak into this. And I'm willing to do the hard right over the easy wrong. And so God, as we make room for you, God, I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, God, I pray for those people that are figuring out whether they believe in you or not still. God, I pray that they would make room for you to show them, show them who you are. And Jesus, I pray that you would download and grow wisdom hand in hand in us as a church, we pray. Amen.